Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is David Maricatani with Track Wrestling. I'm happy to have Eric Guerrero, the associate head coach at Oklahoma State University, on the phone with me this morning. How are you doing, Eric? David, good morning. How's life in Stillwater today? Weather's great. And uh, a cloud in the sky right now, so not half bad. You guys just got done with your opening weekend, and um, we have you currently ranked as the number one team in the country. I know you're really busy right now, so I appreciate you taking a few minutes to uh, to visit with me. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I wanted to get your perspective on a few things as, uh, as an assistant coach and as somebody who's had an, a great career, both as an athlete and as a coach. So... I'm just going to dive into a few questions and would just really like to get your perspective on things that might be a little different than some other people have. When, no when you're looking at your team or you're recruiting, what are one or two characteristics that you think are critical to success um, at the level you're coaching at? From a coach's standpoint or, or an athlete standpoint? From a, a coaching standpoint, I'm sorry. Like, What do you think is important to be successful as a coach? Uh, um, hmm. well, there's a lot of things. Um, but if I had to just narrow it down to a few, um, patience. <laughs> patience. Um, you know, consistency. And... Uh, you know, and obviously, you know, you want to get into like, well, the, you know, the coach got to impart good skill and got to impart good characteristics. And, and, and I mean, obviously, all coaches, all good coaches understand that uh, you can't build a championship uh, wrestler team without good character, developing their character. And you can't, you know, they have to have a certain level of skill and they have to be in shape. So all those things aside, um, you know, when you really get into the core of coaching, and you really get into to, to what it takes once you've already got some of those things established. Uh, I think it comes back to consistency and patience, you know, and then knowing what to be patient about and what not to be patient about. You know, there's certain things I'm not patient about, and uh, the people I'm around aren't patient about. Um, when we teach something, you know, we expect it to be done, like that day in practice. And, and definitely, you know, uh, in the weeks preceding competition, you know, um, at the same time, you understand that you got to be a little bit patient because uh, some people get things quicker than others. And then sometimes you got to be patient with uh, individuals uh, uh, that um, that you feel just aren't grasping uh, the overall concept of what you're trying to get across. And uh, you never know, you know. Um, sometimes it's that 1,000 first time they do something in practice that finally clicks. You know, I could give mm -hmm. you, uh, I could give you athlete after athlete after athlete that just was not able to to execute a move until late in their career, and you'd all but just about given up on 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 them being able to execute certain things. And then somewhere in their sophomore junior year, they just figure it out. Um, but uh, I digress. I could go on forever. But uh, mm -hmm. definitely patience and consistency. Yeah. And, and I'm sure patience is a tough thing. Like you said, there's there's things that you can't be patient about and then things that you do. So, And, and you obviously yeah. have those guys for four or five years, so I'm sure that's the thing that as you've coached longer, you've gotten better at. Um, sure, sure, yeah. When you look back on your career as a coach, um, who are one or two people that have really had a big or profound impact on your career and, 
and how did they change your outlook um, in coaching or as a coach? Mm. Well, um, I'd have to start with my youth coach. A good youth coach. A good youth coach can can, can do wonders. And what I was mean, his name? Uh, Albert Perez. Okay. Um, you know, he wrestled collegiately at San Jose State. You know, I'm from San Jose, and he wrestled collegiately at San Jose State. Um, and, uh, uh, ended up marrying one of my cousins. So kind of, he was kind of a coach slash, you know, um, relative. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that relationship just really kind of took off. And he really kind of took me under his wing and, uh, and uh, just made a difference for me, you know. Um, made wrestling kind of a lifestyle thing for me. Um, at the same time, you know, my, my father was an instrumental part in that, you know, and uh, my uncle, my uncle coached me in high school, Gene Guerrero, you know, he's my high school coach. So um, I'm going to look at all those relationships and, you know, going going uh, through those years, and, and, they, and they all had an impact. And, you know, um, so I look at my father a little bit. And, you know, his... his uh, you know, it was my kids are in competitive sports and my son wrestles. You know, I, I probably have more conversations with my dad now than ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just because uh, he did a good job. You know, he did a good job balancing family and, and what's important and, and and also balancing sport. You know, him and mom both did a really good job in our household with that. So, you know, obviously, you know, reference guys like John Smith and those types of people. But, uh, you know, I think it goes back even before then. I think it, I think it went back to my uh, – you know, my upbringing a little bit um, probably developed a lot of my, my personality and and uh, things like that. Yeah, that's great that those guys that were around you when you were young had such a such a big impact on you. Mm-hmm. I guess leading for leading from that, how do you and the staff create a schedule to give your guys time to train, time to improve? time to rest, you know, handling their academic responsibilities. I talked to a lot of coaches about training cycles versus competition cycles. You guys obviously mm-hmm. wrestle a great schedule. But how, how do you mm-hmm. – what's your thought process and how do you guys as a staff, you and Coach Smith and Coach Esposito, how do you guys balance all those things out? Do you mean from a competitive schedule like 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 how do you balance a competitive schedule or do you mean a day-to-day week-to-week month-to-month training schedule i guess you know the first part leading into the second part like obviously if you have if you're going into the southern scuffle maybe you you Mm -hmm. train your guys a little differently than if you're going you know to an open Mm -hmm. tournament where you're not sending everyone Mm -hmm. as an example Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh okay so you know i see your question kind of as two parts um if I understand right, you know, first is the actual competitive schedule because there's a competitive schedule to the season. Um, and then the second part, you're asking more about the training and, 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 and as you approach those competitions, right? Is that what you're asking? Absolutely, yes. Okay, okay. just want to make sure. Um, oh, I think every schedule is going to be a little bit different in terms of, uh, uh, you know, as you're doing your season schedule. You know, you, you look at it and you, and you, and you got to look at, at the team that you have, you know, you, you can't put a, um, sometimes you've got a more experienced, older veteran team. I mean, you can run them through the ringer. You can really kind of do some things with your schedule that you wouldn't do with, say, a really young green team. Um, 
So you got to kind of look at what you're dealing with first and foremost. You know, not every team's the same. Not every year's the same. Every year's vastly different for a lot of reasons. Um, a lot of similarities, you know, oftentimes there's more differences, you know, in a year-to-year thing. So you look at what you have and you make some decisions accordingly. Um, and there is no, there is no formula for that. I mean, there just isn't, you know, every year is a different set of challenges. I shouldn't say challenges, just a different set of opportunities. Um, so, I think I think I think the, the the most the thing that stands out to me the most though, um, when 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 balancing that schedule and, and get trying to get a week to week idea of what you want to do over four months is uh, don't be afraid to compete. You know, um, I think uh, we've had great success by choosing to do more rather than less. You know, um, uh, just in my own personal life and in my own personal career, um, doing more um, seemed to produce better results than doing less. And, you know, you can take that how you want, you know, because it's going to be a little bit different for each person but uh, <laughs> or each team, each program. But uh, doing, more is, do, doing more is good. Doing less is bad. I can't make it much more simple than simple than that. Yeah, don't be afraid um, to lose. Don't be afraid to put it on the line. I guess is kind of what you're saying a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Losing's bad. Winning's good. I mean, we're start simplifying things, but at the same time, um, you know, you don't want to lose. I think it's just more, you know, through competition is where you where you find uh, through those struggles is where you find yourself, where a team finds itself, where a team and develops. Uh, you know, uh, uh, character. So, uh, and you can only do that through, uh, you can do it somewhat through training, but, but it, it's done even more through competition. Yeah. Yeah. I got it. Yeah. I, and I guess that leads into my next question, which is, I know you guys spend a lot of time with the group as a whole. And I know also you spend time doing one-on-ones and things like that. And I think a lot of us on the outside really wonder how much time do you guys specifically spend on a game plan for opponents um you know like hey i'm gonna wrestle eric carrero in you know the first round of the national tournament or this tournament and it's important for seeding how much time do you spend breaking down tape of that guy working on strengths and weaknesses working on things on how to specifically beat opponent x Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um Trying to think best way to answer this and not 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 deviate from your question. It's okay. It's the point. Um, yeah. You do what you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you get well, one kudos. You come up with some good questions. I I, I feel like uh, I'm kind of you know, damn. I thought we were friends. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um. I'll say this. I'll say this. I think it can best be summed up with this. Um, it'd be it'd be it'd be foolish to not know your opponent's strengths and weaknesses. It'd be foolish to not to not have some idea of what you're going up against. Sure. I mean, that's that's in any sport. That's in business. That's in anything. Know what you're dealing with. You know, information is gold. Okay. Information is gold. Get as much information as you can. 
Um, now, the application of that information and the use of that information is where you start to see, um, you know, the cream of the crop rise from the pack. Um, so everybody's got a little bit different philosophy, you know, um, not necessarily here, just I'm sure in general. Um, but I'll cut it. I'll cut it at this angle. Okay. You know, I've heard wrestling be compared to it's a, a physical chess game. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, kinda, maybe, not really. Chess has a finite amount of moves. It has a finite amount of combinations. You know, wrestling doesn't. It's infinite. There's an infinite amount of combinations. There's an infinite, an infinite amount of variables. Um, so. While it'd be foolish to completely ignore your opponent's strengths or weaknesses and, and, and not address them to some extent, uh, I think in a lot of ways, over overuse of a game plan, overuse stunts your development, stunts your wrestler's progress. How do you know that they wouldn't come up with something creative on their own if you're limiting the ways you're telling them they can win? I get it. So really focus on yourself. Be aware of the other person, but don't don't be hypersensitive to that and, and just keep working on improving your guys. Um, what if I told a business the only way you can make money or the only way you can turn a profit is if you do, do, do these teams do be, oh, excuse me, it's early. Mm-hmm. I was up late watching the election last night. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, what if you can only turn a profit doing these two things? Well, then you, 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 you completely mitigated all their, all their creativity you know, and, and 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 you've taken a big part of the fun part out of it. You know, I want I, you you want your wrestlers to think out on the mat. You want them to come up with new scenarios. You know, you you know, learning and creativity is what is what sparks interest. You know, so by 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 taking wrestling and limiting it, lit, limiting it down to, you know, you can only achieve success if you stick to this plan um, on a week to week basis. I'm not sure it doesn't stunt progress. Yeah. And all we really, really, really want to see is progress. I mean, winning, winning and losing only kind of matters there at the end. <laughs> you know, yeah. there's a result and it's going in a record book. Absolutely. You know? But, but, you know, the rest of the time, if you're not chasing progress, then, then there's a certain amount of emptiness in the victories. And then even it can be some emptiness in the losses. Um, so, to end this, I'll just say that, you know, um, we got to be careful about stunting people's development. And the easiest way I know to stunt it is tell them they can only be successful at doing one set of things. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And I guess that, that really, you gave me a segue. You're good at this. Um, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of high school guys listening to this and, you know, people that have big dreams of wrestling for places like Oklahoma State. If you are advising high school guys now, what are one or two specific skills, positions, situations that you would suggest they focus on improving? Obviously, understanding that most of these guys would, would spend the most time on that in the off season when they have less competitions. What are situations that you feel like would really make these guys more recruitable? Oh, I think wrestling. I think wrestling's real. Real. Um... High school wrestling is as good as it's ever been. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so much better than when, than, than when I was in school or when I first started coaching. Yeah, they're they're light years ahead of uh, of uh, 
of where things as a whole. Are there certain examples that were great back then in the 90s and the 80s and the 70s and the early 2000s? Yeah, there was there was individuals that were uh, phenomenal um, coming out of high school, ready to win at the collegiate level. We're just seeing many, many, many more now. Um, so as a whole, it's been raised. Maybe the you follow me there? As a I whole, am. it's been raised. Absolutely. Not that there wasn't great individuals that came through in those earlier years, but as a whole, there's just more. Um, but if there's one deficiency that I see, because obviously we get a few of those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I know they, you know, people mm-hmm. go to some other schools too, right? Um, if there's anything I see, um, <coughs> believe it or not, it's in their defense. And why is that? It's pretty obvious because they dominate, because people aren't in on their legs a lot. You know, they're, uh, you know, and I don't mean scrambling defense. I mean just baseline defense, getting your feet back, you know, um, all those types of things that come with some baseline defense, butt drags. I just kind of see a, an overall deficiency there, you know, with, with the guys that we've managed to recruit and even the ones that I've been around that are on other teams now. Just that seems to be the common thing, um, just a little bit positioning and, 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 and defense. Uh, and that's understandable, given the fact that if you're truly that dominant, you're just not coming across people that are on your legs that much or that are putting serious pressure on you where you feel like you're being backed up. Uh, yeah. And that's, under, and, that's understand, and that's understandable, and, and, there's, and there's time to fix it, but you want to see a certain level of, uh, of, of fundamental skills that have at least been touched on. That way it's not a completely new concept by the time you're, you're, uh, you're 18, 19 years old. Right, so even those basic things like down blocking, head position, sprawls, toes to the mat, things like that, are things that these guys can picking your feet, picking your feet up, covering the head, just yeah, yeah, I could go on. Yeah. Again, okay. I digress. Yeah, 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 sure. So, talking a little bit more about recruiting and not the techniques part of it, but maybe the intangibles. Mm-hmm. What are a couple of things that you and and your staff look for when attempting to project long-term success for a, a person you're recruiting? Mm. Hmm. Well, um, I want to take it back to the same thing as coaching, consistency. You want to see a certain level of consistency out of the person. And that can come in their personality. That can come in their training. I think it's, you, you can't go wrong with consistency. Um, my love for wrestling certainly helps. You know, when you truly love something, it uh, it just shows in everything you do. You know, um, you know that passion kind of seeps through. You know, kind of just, just that person just admits that passion for things. So I mean, if I just narrow it down to a couple things and, and not give it too much detail, sure. Um, yeah, I, I'd go. I'd go with pat with uh, passion and consistency. You know, and and, and then uh, you know the. Uh, the passion is what creates the consistency. And there's a lot of other things. You know, I don't think you really want to get into, you know, a whole segment just on that. But, uh, you know, yeah, you, you got to have some consistency. Got to see some, some sustainability for sure. Okay. For sure, some sustainability, yeah. I'm going to switch gears here on you, Eric, and, and maybe catch you by surprise a little bit. Um, I did a little homework and I have it on good authority that back in 2012 that you were one of Coleman Scott's primary training partners as he was getting ready for those special final wrestle-offs at, at, up there in New York City. And I was told that you specifically mm-hmm. switched your lead leg and made other adjustments to help simulate what Sean Bunch and Reese Humphrey 
would look like and feel like to help Coleman prepare and that those matches were highly, highly competitive while you were doing that. How, how difficult is that for you to, to switch and do that and still be that effective? And how much of a difference do you think that made in, in Coleman making the team and eventually becoming a bronze medalist? Hmm. Don't be mad at me. So that's told, that, no, 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 you're fine, you're fine. You're fine just making me stretch. That feels like a while, that feels like a while ago. Um, no, there's, 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 yeah, no, but yeah, there's some, there's some truth in that. There's some truth in that, man. There's a lot of truth in that. Um, you know, Coleman was always kind of right there. I mean, he was always right in the thick of it. You know, I don't think anybody, you know, questions that, you know, right on the verge of making that team. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I would say he, I knew he was more than likely, nothing's a guarantee that I knew something good was going to happen. I didn't know what. It might have just been an Olympian, no medal, like a gold medal. I mean, I didn't know. I mean, nobody knows. You can't predict the future. Sure. Um, but I would say in October, November of 2011, um, well, he always trained hard. You know, it was a matter of working out, coming in, being consistent. But something changed. So, something changed uh, in the months preceding right before uh, the turn of the year, right before 2012. Sometime in two, late 2011, something changed. And it was, hey, I, 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 I'm going to make this team. You know, I being, you know, Coleman State, I'm going to mm -hmm. make this team. I'm, do, I'm doing this. Okay, well, what does that mean? What, 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 what's that going to look like for the next eight months then? You know, um, and the answer was, it was uh, two a days, two a days, five six days a week. I mean, she got to lift and cross train, and Wednesdays were the, was was the day off, and and uh, and we just went to work, just two a days, twice a day, every day, you know, outside of the days off. I mean, and and some Sundays, and it was it was wrestle drill in the morning, wrestle drill in the afternoon, you know, and obviously the training's gonna be a variety in that, but that consistency. You know, going back to consistency, that you know, he kind of just made up his mind he was going to be consistent with this. Um, you know, and uh, over that process, probably got me in the best shape of my life since I've retired. <laughs> I, haven't been, I, haven't been, I haven't been back into that kind of shape since. And to be perfectly honest, I told him, I said, I, I might, after this, I might be done. <laughs> I, I, I think he took about five years off my coaching. He was your P90X, huh? <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, just got, I mean, just, and, uh, and we went through that, we went through that journey, and, uh, and things weren't perfect right away. You didn't go out and you start winning everything, but, but something changed. And as you start looking at the competition, this is one of those things where, you know, do you scout? Yeah, you scout, but how much do you apply that is, 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 you know, what makes it effective or not effective? Um, um, Steber was a left leg. Humphreys was a left leg. Um, Bunch was a left leg. And you start really looking at this, going, "Well, why are we spending ten match, ten practices a week uh, with me and you wrestling, with me leading my right leg?" Then, yeah. I mean, what are we doing here? I mean, hello, you know. <laughs> 
I mean, that's just, it was, it was a really simple answer. You, you, you've got to hit this other side of the body. You've got to hit this other side of the body. You have to. And then I can't remember the series of events, how it worked out, but, uh, like I said, it was a while back, but, you know, he, he won the trials beating Stever. Um, obviously there was some question as to who was the rightful person with the spot and who should sit out. And there was, you know, a lot of conversations, um, you know, and, and Zeke Jones made the right call, um, and how, and how it needed to play out. Um, and we all just agreed to that process. And in the end, that process helped Coleman, you know, Coleman had him go and do those extra things and, and, and go to the trials. And then he, then, uh, then, uh, go wrestle in the world cup, um, you know, and, and preparing for that, you know, we started going, well, Bogomoya leads his left leg, you know, I mean, he started really looking at it. I mean, it was just like a string. Everybody was leading their left leg that he had to wrestle. So one so adjustment just, helped it, him with multiple yeah. opponents then, really? Yeah, I mean, you really started looking at it going, we just got to spend time you hitting this other side of the body. Um, yeah. And, uh, and anyways, long story short, if you remember his, his last takedown in the third match against Bunch, it was a snatch single to, pull up, to, to Bunch's lead leg, his left leg. Right, that and was the big six, lift six, that ended six, it, right? Yeah, yeah, a single leg that he hit for five. It was a snatch single to the lead leg, right. the left leg. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was kind of the way that whole thing played out. And, and uh, obviously it ended well for him and for the program and just, you know, um, you know, what, uh, you know, what was it hard? No, it's not hard because it was just kind of what had to be done. Yeah, well, you know, the person or people I talked to, that, that snatch single move you're talking about was kind of what led to that because we were talking about how often, you know, do you see that? And, you know, I've watched a lot of Coleman's matches, and I've never seen him hit a snatch single with that side, and that's that's what mm-hmm. led to the explanation of, of how you guys worked with him and you specifically. So I'm going to switch mm-hmm. gears on you again because mm-hmm. I think a lot of us on the outside look at uh, redshirting and – what's the, the right decision here. And I know you and, and Coach Smith and many others at, at Oklahoma State have had great careers without ever redshirting. And, you know, so what are your thoughts on when it makes sense for a, a guy to redshirt versus compete and without naming anybody or getting in any personal mm-hmm. stuff? Mm-hmm. Can you give mm-hmm. us an example of when this was a this decision was a, was a difficult one to make and, and how that, you know, what the criteria was for figuring that out? Mm-hmm. Oh, every, again, uh, every situation is different. Every situation is different. You know, every team's different. Every individual is different. Um, I'll just run down the different things you have to kind of consider. You know, I've seen guys; they're just ready to go. They're just they're just ready to go, and and it's just it's just an easy call. Okay, I've seen guys that aren't ready to go, but they're your best guy, and they want to do it, and they really want to step out. They don't want to wait, um, but they're not necessarily ready, you know. But what you find out is when they really want to do it and they're fired up about stepping out and taking that lineup, they kind of get themselves ready. It's amazing, like mm-hmm. I said, with a, little pa- with a little passion, how much ground you can make up. You know, you don't have to. You don't. You don't have to be ready in November. You know, and especially with the young kid. You know, you know, you have the whole season to develop that. If they don't fade on you a little bit in the process, right? Sure. So, but that passion's what sustains you. That's passion's what sustains you through that process. So, um, 
so yeah, I mean, there's a lot of reasons, you know, at the same time, there's, there's, there's times where bringing, bringing somebody out, you know, to that particular individual, while they might not be ready, um, could save them. You know, you got to remember sometimes you're dealing with individuals who are used to being the center of attention, you know, and they're used to being, you know, you know, having, having, having everything, uh, you know, to be in the focal point of the room and they fall into a different role. And next thing you know, maybe their grades are slipping or they're not really being productive on or off the mat. And you're looking at the scenario going, um, and this isn't recently, I, I have to think, you know, I'm thinking years and years and years ago, this sure. particular case I'm thinking of, you know, I really felt, and I think we all felt that we we're going to lose this person if we didn't bring them out. This person needed something. He could not just sustain training. He needed something. You know, he kind of, he, he was kind of losing his identity. Yeah. He, he was losing his identity a little bit and, and we were losing this individual. And uh, while he didn't end up being All-American, he ended up having a pretty good season and, and, and played some really key victories for us and uh, and uh, just did a really good job, you know, just with uh, just the way the whole season went and picked up some big dual meet wins. And um, long story short, you know, recruiting never stops. And, and uh, somebody else came in and kind of took that spot over and ended up being only the only year he ended up starting. But for him, you know, I don't think he would have made it to year two, three, and four if he hadn't done that in year one. I do believe we would have lost him. So, you know, you look at it from that standpoint, and sometimes you do it for the individual because it's in that individual's best interest, just as a person. As a human being, it was it was in that person's best interest. Yeah, um, makes you sense. You know, he really – Athletically, he wasn't ready to take the mat, you know. Even though he won a few matches and had some good wins, and you know, got a couple of big dual victories, he wasn't he wasn't technically ready to go. But I do believe if you asked him today, and he, you know, I still visit with him time to time, um, he doesn't regret it for a second. He thinks it was the best decision ever made because uh, because his life did take an alternative route from um, what it could have gone. So there's a lot of reasons, yeah. but. Uh, Interesting. Not all of them are necessarily wrestling based. Absolutely. No. So you mentioned passion and consistency several times as in this discussion, and you guys are a team this year with multiple All Americans and probably the most underrated returning national champion in Dean Heil. Um, which of the guys have been great leaders in your room, and how important is it to have that kind of leadership? with the consistency and the passion when you're, when you're striving toward a national title as a team? Yeah. Well, one, you can't win anything today. You're right. And you recognize that. All you can do today is improve. And uh, our team has a good understanding of that. Um, As far as leaders, you know, everybody leads a little bit differently. You know, I wouldn't put that on one, one, one individual because, because there's people that want to lead and they each bring a different type of leadership um, style to the table. You know, I'm not going to get into specifics of who's like what and, and give away their mentalities. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, just say, I'll just say that there's about four or five guys that uh, do things the right way um, 
and I mean in every aspect of their life, they're doing things the right way. Um, you know, and that's not to say the other 35 aren't, just there's five guys that stick out my line that have the accolades and the success and the uh, experience um, to lead. And uh, each one of them brings a little bit something different. Each one brings a little bit something different to the table. Um, uh, and and uh, and then that's all leadership, you know. Sure. That's why programs have that's why programs have three coaches on staff and a volunteer because, you know, while there is one leader and that's the head coach, you know, everybody brings a little something different to the table um, because we all have different personalities, you know, and that's uh, and that's a good thing. You know, most wrestlers in your team, uh, you know, they're going to identify with certain other teammates more so than others. You know, well, what's great is when you can have, um, you know, a few guys that the whole team can identify with. You know, well, you know, this guy's a little more outspoken. This guy's a little more reserved. You know, this guy's the kind of guy that likes to come in and, and do things extra in the evenings. And, you know, this guy's the kind of guy that, you get, you know, when five, when that clock hits five, five o'clock, you're dragging him out of the room because he went so hard. He has nothing left for the evening practice. So we got a little bit of a variance there with all types of leadership, and uh, and uh, you know, will that translate into something? Up to them, you know, up to us, you know, how much progress we make, make uh, week to week. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I guess that leads to my last question, and. Maybe a little touchy feely, but what what would it mean to you personally if? Don't get touchy feely on me, man. <laughs> what would I'm it, not what touchy feely kind of guy. I know you're not. We'll keep it prickly, but um, what would it mean to you personally if if you guys did get it done and won the team title this year? I know it's been a few years, so and I'm just interested on your thoughts on that. I say that again. I, I guess I, did, I missed it. Say it again. Just if you what? How would you? I mean, I know you'd be happy, but just personally, you guys were able to win this team title this year. How do you think you'd you'd feel when you, you know, finally took your tie off on Saturday night or Sunday morning and you're just sitting there, you know, how do you, how do you think you'd feel about that? Okay. Um, I know it's not interview etiquette to answer a question with a question. Go ahead. But, uh, but uh, I'll – I think it's. I think this 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 question warrants it a little bit. Um, hmm. I'll say this. I'll say this. Uh, here's what I think about. You know, I'm, I'm at these when I'm at these youth wrestling tournaments on the weekends. You know, and I see all the little kids <coughs> running around, all the youth wrestlers running around in Oklahoma State wrestling t-shirts and shorts and hats and jackets and parents with hats. Oklahoma State wrestling T-shirts and short and jackets and, mm-hmm. and, and, and 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 you know my question is what does it mean to them you know um, and I see the fans at Walmart or you're just driving through one of the small towns in Oklahoma it's an Oklahoma State wrestling shirt what does it mean to them what would it mean to them um, when you when you do run to, to to wrestlers of the past you know and they're everywhere. Um, you know, and they ask about the team and they ask how they're doing. You see it, you know, uh, you see how important it is to this community, you know, to this, to this town, to the, uh, state, you know, um, you see how important it is, you know, to, uh, 
two gentlemen running in last night's election uh, for state representative and for Congress. Um, they're some of our biggest wrestling fans. And what would it mean to them? Uh, and the answer always comes back, and, and, and it, it, it means a lot. It, you know, wrestling means a lot to the state of Oklahoma. Championships mean a lot. Um, winning means a lot. You know, there's a lot of pride in, in the fact that uh, there's been a tremendous amount of success from this, you know, from what's relatively a very small state. You know, we're talking 2.7 million people, tops. Uh, <laughs> there, there's been On a football a, Saturday, a, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's been a, a, a tremendous amount of winning that has happened. Um, so I guess my question back is, what does it mean to those people? What does it mean to those youth wrestlers? What does it mean to former wrestlers and all the fans? Um, it means a lot. So I, I think about that. You know, I, I, I think about that. I, I draw some inspiration from that. I think motivation has to come within, from within. But uh, uh, but I, I think about that when I think about uh, winning. I like to win because I like to win. But... Uh, <laughs> but uh, far as, you know, when you start thinking about things in those terms, um, makes you realize that uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't do this for me, you know, and uh, I think you work a little harder when you do things that way. Yeah, most definitely. You guys can have a huge impact on, like you said, the city, the state, the youth, all those, all those groups of people, which is amazing to, you know, be able to help young men grow and, and impact an entire, really, state, so... Well, that's, I'm going to end on a touchy-feely one, Eric. Um, I've known you a long time. I know you don't really like to do these kind of interviews, so I appreciate you taking time to, uh, to do this for track wrestling. Um, I wish you guys the best of luck this year, and uh, hope everybody stays healthy and safe. So thanks a lot for your time. Yeah, you bet. I appreciate your time and uh, appreciate everything track wrestling's doing um, uh, to keep wrestling out there in the forefront. They're doing a great job right now. You guys are doing a great job. We appreciate it. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, Eric Carrero. All right, Tom. Bye.